Today's episode is brought to you by REI Blackbook. Receive a 14-day free trial plus access to two popular workshops to help you hit the ground running. Go to reiblackbook.com forward slash DPI to learn more. For using this special offer, you will receive a 14-day free trial to check out this amazing system for yourself. I have personally used this system for over six years, and it's helped me wholesale over 500 properties. That's right, over 500 properties. It's truly one of my secret weapons. So head on over to reiblackbook.com forward slash DPI to learn more about this amazing CRM and marketing platform. Again, that's reiblackbook.com forward slash DPI. Welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Our mission is to share what we have learned from our experience and the experience of others to help you make more money investing like a pro. We want to teach you how to create wealth by investing in real estate the Discount Property Investor way. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit FreeWholesaleCourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. I am your host, David Dodge, along with my co-host, Mike Slane. We're going live on YouTube today. We'll be recording this as well, and it will be a podcast, but we love doing some live streams. So if anybody's watching in real time and has questions about today's episode, we can actually take those questions live on the podcast So if you're not following us on YouTube, this is the new normal. Guys, head on over, hit that subscribe button on the Discount Property Investor YouTube podcast channel, and we will be bringing you guys episodes every other day. That's what's up. Mike, how are you today, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm good. Not to... I haven't had as much coffee as you have, Dave. That's right. I'm I'm all uh... pumped up, baby. Ready to (laughs) rock and roll. Good deal, man. So what are we talking about today? The show I would like to talk about anyways, I would like to talk about running appointments. I was looking back appointments. I was looking back through our catalog and uh, we just we haven't done many episodes specifically about what to do when you're out there running appointments. So I thought it'd be a good, uh, good opportunity to talk about that uh, because we can actually we can talk about what to do today during this little pandemic and how to be a little bit extra cautious and just in general. I think just in general is kind of most important. Because, Let's jump right in. Yeah, we're headed that direction, back to normal. So let's talk about running an appointment, Dave. So what happens? First off, you guys, uh, we're wholesalers. Our objective is to buy and then resell a property, right? So we're trying to buy it at a great price so we can resell it at a good price. Um, so what happened? You did some marketing. You spoke to a bunch of sellers. You weeded a bunch of them out because they're not motivated or they told you to get lost. Now you're finally... You've set an appointment with someone you think is a motivated seller. You're going out there. What's next? All right? So so running appointments. That's what we're doing today. Running appointments. Exactly. I love it. So prior to that, Dave and I are a big fan of preparation. We think that uh, preparation is kind of the key to success. 
We we actually even have a little, I think a little course on it. We even put it together, inspired by one of our podcasts, which was about the credibility packet. Oh, yeah. So oh, one yeah. of our big things is being prepared for your appointments. And that means doing everything from uh, preparing a contract to purchase that house ahead of time, running the comps on it ahead of time, putting together a little folder. So, again, you can show up with. Uh, everything you look prepared be prepared be prepared for the appointment you're there to buy the house so be there able to buy the house be there with a contract we find that uh, very very important so again that's kind of the um, the preamble to this appointment so what am I doing when I'm on the appointment Dave or what are you doing when you're on the appointment I've got a list of a few things that I like to do Uh, what what do you think or where do you start What's your, what's your, you know, I'm all about transparency, Mike. So whenever I go on the appointment, I like to be prepared. Like, like you said, Mm -hmm. I like to have a credibility packet together, which basically means I like to have comps of the property, uh, know a little bit about the neighborhood, the school district, also the house itself. Like what's the bed bath? I mean, things I can get online that I don't need to see the house for. I have all that with me. I'll also bring a contract, maybe an option agreement as well. These are all standard things in our credibility packet. Um, and then when I go, my, my main my main objective is to just make a friend. That's it. That's the only thing I focus on. Make a friend. What is their problem? How can I solve that problem? Now, I do want to say one thing. I am very transparent. And before I've even gone on this appointment or even said it, either myself, Mike, Dennis, anybody on my team, we try to do our best to let the seller know that we are investors and that we do not pay retail. However, we are here to provide a crazy high level of convenience in exchange for a discount. So I basically lead it with, hey, I'm an investor. My name's Dave. You know, I don't pay retail. However, I can make this so incredibly easy for you. So if you need to sell, I'm going to be the guy for you. You don't even need to call anybody else. Let's get this done. But if they just want to sell, I don't really want to spend you know, two hours on that appointment. So I try to, um, I guess you would say, disqualify myself a little bit you know, to just let them know, hey, I can buy. Um, and I, I usually will throw in you know, some of my past experience in my presentation. So for example, I'll say, hey, I'm Dave, I'm an investor. You know, I have purchased, along with my partner, Mike, or my team, you know, roughly a hundred houses a year for the last two and a half to three years. And, you know, we can do this. We are capable of it. However, um, you know, I need to be able to get a deal as an investor. This is a business and, you know, I want to make some money on this. I'm not looking to take your house, steal your house, get it for half off, anything like that, but I cannot pay retail. And I just try to really submit that and, and implement that because then later when I go to make my offer and I'm jumping way ahead, but they're not like you are crazy. Like I've prepped for it. So Mike, so what? what didn't mean Dave's, to overpower that. No, no, that's perfect. What Dave started with uh, in his uh, little speech there was that he he is trying to continue making a friend. So that's one of the things we talk about when you're on the phone with sellers is you're building rapport, and that's extremely important. And it's extremely important to continue that. So you're continuing that building of rapport or building that relationship up with the seller because, like Dave said, he is going to make a low offer. I mean, I am going to make a low offer. We're not making offers that sellers are going to be happy with all the time necessarily. Right. They are low offers. I mean, that's what we do. We buy properties at a discount, discount property investors. That's what we do. So it's first and foremost, I'm trying to continue that relationship building, uh, making a friend with that seller. 
The next thing we're doing when we're on the appointment, I would say, is um, I'm trying to figure out uh, what is going on with this property or what is going on with this seller. So what is the real motivation still? Why are they motivated? Because they may not have come out and said it yet. When you are screening people on the phone, you maybe talk to them for 15, 20 minutes, maybe tops, you know, before you go out there and are on the appointment. So you may not really know what their true motivation is. So you're going to have to, again, try to find that. So that's the next thing is figuring out or determining that motivation, the motivation from the seller. Yep, absolutely. You always want to get to the motivation from the seller. You want to start also as with why, you know, why are you selling? If they're not willing to give you that why, um, ask when. That's always a huge tip too. ask when. When do they need to sell? Because it will often reveal the why. And really, you know, as wholesalers, our job is very simple. It's to provide liquidity to the marketplace. It's to solve problems. It is to um, solve usually a problem that's not the house. The house helps solve the problem. Usually the problem is death, disease, divorce, job relocation, um, you name it, right? The house is just in the way. So by buying the house, we're typically solving multiple problems, but the main one isn't even the house. It's something underlying, something else. I love that. That's great, Dave. Yeah, very, very good insight. So figure out what the problem is. The next thing on the appointment that you're trying to figure out is what condition this property is in. And that's, you know, the main reason for going out there to look at it is to determine the condition of the house, right? So you're going to be walking around and you're going to be uh, either in your head or if you bring a notepad or a piece of uh, paper with you, you're going to be taking notes on the condition of the property. So once you get comfortable doing this, you probably do it in your head. But like I said, you're probably going to start off with a notepad or uh, what we like to do is use our phone and just kind of record memos. Uh, so we're walking around and we just make a note with our phone of what needs to be repaired on this property. Absolutely. Yeah. Keep Next. it simple though. You know, no, go ahead. No, just keep, you know, keep it simple. You don't need to be writing down every single little detail. Um, I like to use the rule of fives for determining repairs just because, you know, it gives you a simple number to, 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 to determine those repairs. And, it, and often it over, over exaggerates those costs, but as a wholesaler and as an investor, that's okay. Yeah, it's we okay. rarely overestimate. You'll hear that about, you'll, <laughs> yes. you'll hear that about wholesalers. Yes, that's true. General, that's true. Is that we rarely overestimate those repairs. So, no, it is good. And the rule of fives, Dave, real quickly, you want to touch on that or you want me to, to jump oh, in please, on that? Oh, please, go ahead, man. So, the go rule ahead. of fives, basically what we like to do when we're walking around a house, we see something that needs repair, we throw $5,000 at it. Now, that sounds crazy, but again, it's like, oh, what do we need? Paint, 5000 What do we need? Lights, 5000 What do we need? A bathroom, 5000 What do we need? A roof, 5000 5000 so again, you're going to maybe double it up on something big like a roof or big like a kitchen. So you'll jump it up to 10. But that way, when you're walking around the house, you don't have to be spending a whole bunch of time saying, oh, I need to rebuild a porch. That's going to cost me, uh, you know, $500 in concrete, 500 materials, yada, yada, yada. You just write five grand for landscaping, five mm -hmm. grand for uh, windows. That way you can kind of click quickly tally up those 5,000s to figure out the repairs that you need to make on that house. Okay. Next thing on the appointment. So we're doing a lot of things here on these appointments. The next thing I think that we're doing, Dave, is we're taking pictures uh, or filming it. A lot of people are filming their property walkthroughs these days. I personally, maybe I'm old school, I just like pictures. I think that they're easier uh, for people to look at and click through quickly. 
I know when I'm looking at other people's houses, I don't like watching the whole video. Uh, but again, that's just me, personal preference. So I'm taking pictures of everything that I see. So when I see a problem, I take a picture. When I see a, a new room, I'm gonna take at least two pictures of every room, hopefully from different angles, and then every kind of item in the house too. So it's like a bathroom, I wanna take a picture of the toilet, I wanna take a picture of the shower, I wanna take a picture of the vanity. That way I've got pictures of everything so I can see the condition that it was in when I walked through it. And as a wholesaler, guess what? If you get that property under contract, I should say when you get that yeah, property when, under contract, like it. you are going to be marketing this property for sale. So who's going to need to see that? Anyone who's interested in buying the house is going to want to see these pictures. Super helpful to have those. So do it on every appointment. Just get in the habit of doing that. Anything I missed, Dave, that uh, is important for taking pictures? Um, you know, the way I look at taking pictures is you can't take too many. You can always delete these, all right? I mean, this is like the most common sense thing there is, right? You can delete pictures real quick, but going back to a property to get more is a pain in the butt, mm. okay? So don't do that. So when you're there, I mean, when I first started out, I was probably taking 40, 50 pictures. I thought that was a lot. Now I average 90 to 110 pictures per property. I literally get my phone out and I just start snapping. Yeah, it may take 15 minutes to upload to Google Drive or Dropbox after the fact, but so what? I don't care. I would rather have every inch of that property, every angle that I need. And therefore, if I only need 10 pictures, guess what? I can go out and I can pick 10 of the best ones. So as Mike said, get as many as you can, get different angles. Don't just take one picture of a bedroom, go stand in two or three different corners of that bedroom because you may see something from a different vantage point that you wouldn't have seen elsewhere, right? Maybe you you, you miss uh, you know some some stains on the ceiling if you don't walk all the way in that room to get those pictures. Dave's right? great at taking pictures too. I must say, when I walk, when I look back at my pictures, I think I took a lot of pictures and I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I, I, don't even remember, I can hardly even tell what the house layout was from this one. Like Dave's pictures are awesome. He does. He, he does take about 100 pictures, but it's you need them. Like they really are super hand, handy. So no, definitely take more pictures than you think you're going to need. They come in handy. They do. Love they come it. in. They come in handy. So uh, take a lot of pictures. Um, don't necessarily worry about determining your repair estimates in real time. Um, you can go over those with the seller. So like one thing that we love to do, Mike, and um, on our appointments is we have this thing called the seller's net sheet. Mm -hmm. And it's available in the free wholesale course, I believe. I think I added oh, yeah. it in there recently. So if you want a copy of it, go free. Go to freewholesalecourse.com and you can get your own copy. Now what the seller's net sheet is, is the coolest thing ever. But what it does is it basically gives the seller multiple options. Now, you've probably heard of a lot of investors that make multiple offers. This is not that. It's similar, right? Except for it's one offer with other options that aren't you, but they make you look the best. So you could do the multiple offer in conjunction with this, but this is not multiple offers. Seller's net sheet basically uh, starts out with the property in mind and it, and it goes into the ARV and then it works it, it, the, it itself backwards to get to your MAO, essentially. It's mm. very, very clever. But it's it breaks down that calculation much simpler than our typical MAO equals ARV times 0.7 minus repairs 
minus wholesale fee for wholesale. Instead, it's got 15 different things. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I think that, Dave, this one is more, it's called the seller's net sheet because it's from the seller's perspective. So that's the whole idea behind it is, hey, Mr. Seller, here's what would happen if you sold via listing it on the market. You're going to encounter $5,000 in commissions and $5,000 in repairs just to get it listed and this and this, and then 30 days later, it might sell, yada, yada, yada. So again, it just, it takes all those factors into consideration before it presents your offer to them. So your offer is low and you don't have to be ashamed of that. Like Dave said, yeah. I'm an investor. Like I have to make money on this. You understand that Mr. Seller, right? But this puts it in context that just because they can list their house and sell it for, let's throw out the round number, $100,000, doesn't mean that your offer for 60,000 is $40,000 less than what they would have got or would have received. They're gonna have, at 100,000, they're gonna have 10,000 repairs they have to do themselves. Yeah, so they're it, gonna have two months it in calculates in opportunity have... cost and time. That's basically what this does, right. So it breaks it down in reverse though. Let's say that we think the house will sell for, as Mike stated, what, 100,000, right? Keep it simple, right? Well, it's going to sell for that after the repairs. That's the ARV. That's the after repair value, right? And what's great, though, is you can agree with them. You're like, I agree. This house will be worth 100,000. It will be worth 100. So it's a great thing to be. Betty, Sue, Jim, doesn't matter, right? It will be worth 100. We agree. However, ma'am, sir, in order for it to be worth 100, it's going to need 20. It's going to need 20 grand worth of repairs. So the first thing that they're going to think of is, okay, got it. 80 or 100 minus the 20, that's 80. You're going to pay me 80. Nope, doesn't work that way because I have additional costs, right? And I'm taking the risk of buying it, adding adding 20 grand to it just to get my money back. I'll break even and really I'll lose once you add these costs in. So, so no. So you have to back it out. So basically there's like three columns on the seller's net sheet. Go check it out for yourself on free wholesale course. But it shows if they were to do a rehab, a, a high-end rehab, and then list it. Um, if they were to just do a make-ready rehab and then list it. Or if they were to sell it to us today. And it calculates in the amount of cost that they'd have to spend themselves to get it to the 100. And then the time. And then the real estate commissions. And then the holding cost. And then the seller concessions. And then the closing costs. So on and so forth. So these factors add up. So in the seller's net sheet, they may make more money on option one, right? But that time frame could be 7, 10, 12 months. They make more money, may, may make more money on option two as well with a light rehab and an agent. But again, that time frame could be four to 10 months. With us, it's usually three to 15, maybe 20 days top. So we show them their options. And most of the time, Mike, I think you can agree, most of the time they don't have the money to fix it up anyway. Correct. So option one and two isn't even truly an option. It's more of just, um, you know, yes, this is an you, option. You could do you that. You could, yeah. but is it even a feasible one, right? So it breaks down that offer that may be 50, 55 grand on a property that needs 20 and is worth 100 and why that offer makes sense, right? So one thing that I think we skipped right over this. I was going to get back to it too. Yeah, but one thing that I want to definitely mention is, is that it's not me versus the seller. It's not Mike versus Betty Sue or Jim or John or whoever that person is, right? That's never the mindset that we have or the approach that we have. Instead, it's, hey, Jim, hey, John, I agree that it could be worth 100, 
But we can both also agree that in order to get there, it's going to need 20 in repairs. That's just the repairs. I'm going to have costs in buying it. I'm going to have costs in selling it. I'm going to have costs in um, holding it. In holding just it. like you do. I'm going to have taxes. I'm going to have insurance. I'm going to have utilities. I'm going to have seller concessions, which basically means that when I go fix it up and sell it and they go get an inspection and there's a 30-page report of little knickknacks that I'm going to either have to fix that time, money, or I'm going to have to write a check, money, to get them to be okay with that. So you're going to have seller concessions. And seller concessions are often overlooked. They can be 1%, 2 sometimes 3% of the total price. I mean, sometimes more. Then you have real estate commissions, right? You have to pay 5 6 sometimes 7% to sell the house itself. Then you have holding costs to hold it while it sits there and sells. And just because you have an agent and it's and you list it doesn't mean that it's gonna sell, nor does it mean that you're gonna get what you list it for. These are all risks that you take, which really equates to time and time equates to money. So our pitch when we are dealing with sellers is so incredibly simple. We can make this easy for you, period. Mike, there's three things that we do. What are those? What do you mean? In in the pitch. Three simple things. I don't know. I'm sorry. I phased out. I was going to go somewhere else. Okay, cool. I'll I do it. Gonna go Cash, uh, east, east, right? So we'll buy it as is and we'll close quick. So time, um, cash, and ease of use. Those are the three things that we have. That's it. That's all we have to provide value to people. So don't go out and chase deals, though, and try to give somebody a crazy amount of convenience when they're not giving you a discount, right? We quit chasing deals about three years ago and our lives got a lot easier and we still do just as many deals as we did when we were chasing. But the cool thing is, is now the spread of the deal is much bigger. We're not chasing the two and $3,000 deal. Yeah, we still do those guys. I'm not above that. Neither is Mike. No, those are great pages. But you know, it's like, if I can't see myself making six to eight grand on a deal, I typically will just push that down the road and follow up later because they aren't motivated enough. They don't need to sell, they wanna sell. So why would we wanna go provide that crazy level of convenience? So all of this is really in the negotiations or the uh, kitchen kitchen table uh, conversation with the, the, with the seller. And what I was thinking about just a couple seconds ago when Dave was uh, put me on the spot there, I was thinking about um, our, our, our appointment and how we got to this point. So we didn't really quite cover that. So we we talked about how we're on the appointment. We're trying to make a friend. We're trying to um, determine the repairs, get pictures of the property, and then we're going to start our negotiation. So how does that transition, Dave? And and in the appointment or on the appointment when we're out there uh, and we're finished taking pictures, we finished touring the property. How does that shift? And again, there's not always a big shift in the conversation. You could be having it. Uh, while you're doing this stuff, while you're talking uh, and walking the house. But how does that shift and how do you make that transition um, to the kitchen table, uh, deal-making, negotiation, talking, that kind of stuff? I mean, I personally, I'm not... Yeah, I personally, I don't have a huge uh, change in it. I normally just say, okay, so it looks like like, like, um, you guys want to go talk or something like that. And I, I invite people to go sit down at the kitchen table if there is one. A lot of time these houses are cleaned out or they're trashed. Like you can't even hardly do it. But you try to go to a place where it's comfortable to chat and have a conversation with the seller. And oftentimes that is the, the you know, the kitchen kitchen table. So you want to try to sit down. And that's when we can present the seller's net sheet and work through it 
for ourselves. Like Dave said, you don't have to figure those repairs on the spot. You can do it uh, right there in front of them. Yeah, You can absolutely. say, hey, look, here's what I think it's going to cost me. Here's my here's my offer, and here's why. I highly encourage everybody to use the seller's net sheet as well as at least just understand it. Even if they don't want to use it, just understand why we would use it, what value it can provide, because it doesn't always show your offer as the highest. Typically, it might even show it as the lowest. Sometimes it will be the highest. But what you are providing is convenient. So it makes it so easy to kind of transition in from you and them talking about the numbers to why they would want to work with you. Well, again, maybe my offer is five grand less than if you spent 20 grand rehabbing it, but also 10 months to sell it, right? Or maybe my offer is even equal to you doing a light rehab, but spending six months of your time, right? I can provide you convenience by closing it quick, using, you know, buying with cash, closing it quick and buying it as is. No repairs, no cleaning, none of that. And oftentimes the time, the time frame in which you can move, that's the value that you are providing them, right? So sometimes we're able to talk a seller down on price, even though they know they may get more later because the time may be their problem. Here's a perfect example. They're moving for work, right? They know that the property may not need a ton of work or they it does need some and they could do that work, right? But they would rather just get the money now. And that may be less money than if they put a bunch of time and work into it, but we're, we're basically eliminating their risk. And that's the convenience right there. So let's some, talk about some of the key points to running an appointment. Make a friend. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just simple. Listen to what they're saying. Don't try to sell them on your offer. Instead, justify it, right? Show why it is what it is. I like that. Yeah. I like that because I, I never like I never try to sell people. I'm I'm actually not that great of a salesperson. I personally I was gonna say the same thing. I'm not I'm that not. good. But you know what I am good? I am good at getting people to see my side of the of this of the vantage point. Like see my side. I'm really good at that. I'm good at making a friend, I'm good at listening, and I'm and I feel like I'm good at solving people's problems, you know, by helping them sell that property. But I'm never really selling. Instead, I'm just saying, here's where all the other investors are gonna be. I'm one of them. Here's what I can do for you, and I hope to get your business, right? I'm going to justify why my number is what my number is, and I'm going to do my absolute best to show you why that number, and it's going to be lower than you would have expected probably 99% of the time, but why it's fair. And once I can show people why it's fair, they don't longer look at that offer as a low offer. Instead, they look at it as a fair offer. I love it. So here's one uh, one final thing. Not a lot of coffee today, guys. We are not. <laughs> I think we both just admitted we're not Woo! great sales. You don't people. have to be. Though. You don't have to be. But here's what I was getting at: is I'm going to start selling courses on sales, and it's just going to be titled "You Don't Have to Be Great at Sales." <laughs> it's not about it. sales. That's the wrong word. It's value. Go ahead. I don't even know what I was talking about. I think you, you sold me. Dude. Yeah, I mean that's it. I'm you know, you don't have to be crazy, crazy good at it. So no, my 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 thing was going to be on getting contracts signed that day versus going back. So again, you're going out there on an appointment. A lot of people really, really want to get that contract signed that day. I'm one of them. I love it when we can get properties under contract that day. But guess what? It doesn't happen every time. Yeah, and it doesn't happen every time at all. It happens like maybe one in fifty. So what we like to leave people—well, maybe not that much—but what 20. we like to leave people with is, if I'm not the person you're going to go with, could you please give me a call? 
and let me know. Why? Why and what yeah, offer Or give me the opportunity yeah. to at least review their offer and maybe not beat it but match it. Like I don't ever want to overpromise. I never tell somebody I'm going to beat their offer because then that makes them think, well, I'm going to go get another offer, so he'll beat it. Like, no. You know, let me at least review it. You know, don't make a decision before you talk to all parties. Well, I think that it's also we're here to help. So yeah. again, I can I can take a look at an offer and let you know, hey, if I know this, if I've heard of this company, if it sounds too good to be true, mm. can give them some insight into it. I so love again, that. Consult them. Yeah. We always like to try to leave if we're not getting a contract signed with that with uh, and with an email address that we can email them the contract over as well. Yeah. Hey, last but not least, guys, mm-hmm. um, I'm not an agent, but Mike is. He's a broker here, mm-hmm. actually. Um, I encourage everybody to get their license just because it doesn't hurt to have it. It's only going to help. Um, but one of the things that we do on our appointments, now we don't go on these appointments with the mindset of let's get listings. We don't do that. We want to buy. However, a lot of times people will call individuals like us, you know, the, the liquidity makers, the wholesalers, the investors to come out and buy their property and they could do better listing it. Like they truly could, right? Some scenarios it works that way, but they may be embarrassed to show it or they may have kids or for whatever reason, right? So we always have that tool in our belt. Hey, you know, you're not going to like my offer uh, and I'm going to tell you in advance. Here it is, right? You want to throw me out of your house? I get it. I'd want to too. So maybe that isn't a good solution for you, right? But maybe listing it is so we can consult them, as Mike was just saying, on some of the ways that they could go about doing better for themselves. Whenever we're on appointments, it's not about us or or me, right? It's really about them. How can we help them? And sometimes that means that we don't make money helping them, but we're able to do the right thing and help them um, do what's best for them. Sometimes that means that our offer is the best, Sometimes that means that maybe we'll list that property for them is the best. Other times we may joint venture with that person. They may not like our offer. They don't want to list it. We'll use what's called an option agreement and we'll go market the property, try to find motivation, but it's not necessarily on market and we're not required to buy. It's just a joint venture and or an option to purchase. So many tools and tricks. All of this is available in the free wholesale course, guys. If you haven't taken that, you probably have, and I hope you have, but if you haven't, go check that out. Uh, but running appointments with sellers, I think that this is something that we should talk about more, Mike. Um, I think people overcomplicate it. They get scared. Um, running the appointment, too, this is something that's really, really important. Really, really important. Mm-hmm. Running the appointment is 25% of, the, of this business. I would go out on a limb to say that 25% of it is marketing, 25% is running appointments, and 50% is follow-up, literally. Maybe maybe marketing outweighs running the appointments, two to one, give or take, but the point is, is that it's a small piece of the business. You know, running the appointment helps you build rapport, establish a relationship, make a friend, right? but you still have to make an offer. And a lot of people will come to Mike and I and they'll go run an appointment and they won't make an offer. They won't do it then. They won't do it that night. They won't do it the next day. They might not do it at all. Why would you go run an appointment? Why would you spend money to market, to get a phone to ring you, right? Or cold call out to get that motivated seller, set up the time to run an appointment and then not make the offer or follow up, right? Our average deal, four to six months. Do we get them that come in today and we get them appointment tomorrow and a contract that same day or the next day and sold 
That afternoon, absolutely, one in 30, one in 40 deals. But over five years of Mike and I being partners, being friends, and wholesaling real estate together, the average deal takes almost six months because we follow up consistently. So do marketing, that's obvious. Don't be afraid to run appointments, make offers on those appointments. Just go out there, make a friend. You are gonna fail your first couple times. You might make a fool of yourself. That's one of the things but I But that's okay. Yeah, so that's one of the things Get I wanted to that. talk about. Dave, you were talking about um, people won't do the appointments or won't go on the appointments or it's not that big of a deal. A lot of people get hung up and don't want to go on the appointment. And it to me, it's kind of like, like you said, it's a very small part of the business. Just get out there, meet people. Super easy. Just get out there and meet people. Take pictures. You've got to start walking properties. I don't have anything else on this topic. Let's go ahead and wrap it up, Dave, if you guys yeah, want. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll do, like you said, maybe another couple episodes on running appointments. But uh, yeah, let's let's wrap this one up. Thanks for watching, guys. Tune in out, tune in off. Until next time. How are we ending this one? Sounds good. Thanks for watching. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, please visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. We would also appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you in advance for your support. And remember, you make your money when you buy and you get paid when you sell. Now let's go build some